What is up, Doe? Welcome to another edition of the Pixel and Roll Show, where we discuss a frustrating basketball team, your Washington Wizards. Hello, everyone. This is Adam McGinnis. It is March 16th, 2016. A bright, sunny, cool breeze kind of day here in the nation's capital. Spring is in the air. Feels amazing about the opposite of the current metro situation, which is not running. For everyone, I have some good and bad news. Let's just start with the negative. I was able to corral Kyle Weedai, Mr. Truth About It, to finally record a podcast with me on Sunday. He came over. We discussed these Wizards for about two hours, chopped up the disappointing road trip, how things are going awry, went into structural issues of ownership, front office, players, coaching, all the particulars of this team, and of course, in so Wizards fashion, the file is corrupt. It will not play. So if anyone has any suggestions, uh, please let me know. Email me, adamaginnis uh, at gmail.com, A-D-A-M-M-C-G-I-N-N-I-S. I would appreciate any help. I've lost sleep over this because the people need this free content. Other negative news would be the current state of your Washington Wizards. They are 31-35. and 35. They lost five in a row. Lost three tough games on a road trip to an embarrassing fashion. Things are not looking good for them to make the playoffs. They did, uh, fortunately, were able to come home and, and destroy the, the Pistons on Monday night. I was actually at that game. There's coverage of myself up on Truth About It uh, and my thoughts and pictures and videos uh, of that game. Uh, they continue on and play Chicago uh, on Wednesday night and then also play the Sixers and the Knicks this week as well. The good news, the Positive Pixels edition of the show uh, preview. <laughs> now, now I'm sounding like Mark Mar- Mark Maron podcast where I continually go on forever. But I will, I'll keep this brief before we get into the episode uh, to why you're listening. But my Cougars, uh, the seventh grade, sixth grade boys youth basketball team that I coach at the Boys and Girls Club here in Washington, D.C. They were victorious and won the championship game on Sunday. Woo! Go Cougs! They won five in a row. Uh, and it, Everyone had a great time. The game, they didn't really listen to a lot of things I said, but they came out, played hard, a lot of defense, a lot of effort, about the opposite of what you see out of the Washington Wizards these days. But I was really proud of the kids. They got better. So I know uh, about two of you care about this. But, hey, just wanted to... Give everyone an update that the season is success before we get into a depressing topic of these Washington Wizards. I am, for those wondering, I'm filling offers with my representatives on, on new coaching gigs on, on a pay upgrade, uh, possibly with the NBA. Uh, so I will let you know how that shakes out. <laughs> but anyway, for this episode, I was able to uh, interview uh, Ben Becker, who is a Wizards fan, a season ticket holder, an occasional blogger, uh, writes himself at Bulls Forever. Uh, we went into a lot of topics on this team, uh, just his experience, and also ended on a really uh, positive note of uh, something really cool that he's doing to give back to the community with some um, uh, a bone marrow donation and leukemia, which is at the end of our conversation. And stay stay with stay with and listen to that because there was some awareness, uh, some public awareness, and some good I, I believe that came out uh, of that for for everyone. So thanks for your support, and here is uh, here is Ben. Enjoy. With me today is a fellow Wizards fan, also a season ticket holder, uh, a member of Wizards Twitter, uh, and also writes online about the team uh, as well as I do, Mr. Ben Becker. Ben, first time on the show. Thanks for coming. Uh, how are you, bro? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me, Adam. 
Talk to the people about your your Wizards fandom before we get in and chop up the this uh, thirty one and thirty five uh, professional basketball team. So my Wizards. So I'm I'm thirty nine years old. I grew up in Montgomery County. Fell in love with basketball in high school. Um, played a little, coached a little. You know, in summer times, I coached in my old high school um, and just. Uh, uh, really fell in love with the game and, and through um, college and uh, late high school and college really started following the, the Bullets and Wizards really closely. And uh, in... Um, what a great hobby too, right? What a great... <laughs> you know, I have distinct memories of, 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 being, uh, of being in the, the dining hall at college watching um, the then Bullets uh, play the Jordan Pippen Bulls in the first round, and and even though they got swept, every game was close, and surrounded by bandwagon Bulls fans, and afterwards getting you know knowing nods from from people saying, "Wow, you guys, you really have something there." And I had my I had my Chris Weber Sporting News cover up on my dorm room wall, and um, you know everything's just been great sense to be a fan. I mean, it's yeah, uh, yeah. It's the easiest team there is to root for. Yeah, we'll be celebrating Chris Weber's Hall of Fame career. Soon, I'm, I'm sure in the NBA, you know, just life, lifelong Wizards and Bullets. Oh no, no, no! no. They, they traded him away. Uh, there, there's, a, they sure did. there's a podcast I had with Adam Rubin who wrote a really good piece on Truth About It, interviewing all those uh, two part piece, and we we commiserated for about an hour and a half uh, about the, about that whole situation. And I went off on a bunch of rants and tangent about the worst disaster in franchise history. When you, especially when you look back on it, you're like, you you thought it was bad. But when you really look back at the numbers, you're like, "Oh my God, this was more horrific than I remembered." And I thought it was pretty terrible to begin to begin with. <laughs> yeah, I mean, going back, you know, that's that is the epitome of hashtag So Wizards, um, and uh, and you know, we've had we've had some ups and downs along the way, and and here we are now, staring at uh, at 31 and 35, and 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 just not feeling good about. The direction of the team, the state of the team, uh, and uh, it's it's rough right now. There's no there, there's no hiding from that. Oh no, it is it is hard to sugarcoat it. That's why I have a podcast about this disaster. So so Ben, what you ask every single person that comes on the podcast for the first time, just their overall sense and thoughts just on the season. Like what comes to mind when you think of the 2015 2016 Wizards? Um. I think of uh, I think of a few things. I, I mean, fundamentally, is, is disappointment, right? We, um, uh, we we were a John Wall injury from uh, from the Eastern Conference Finals last year, and uh, that uh, and the the stylistic change that the team went into the offseason with uh, made a lot of people uh, think that wow. Uh, we're really on to something. We're going to tweak our offense. Our offense was so good in the playoffs. Uh, we're, we're just going to we're going to play like we did in the playoffs. Our defense is going to be just as good as it's been the last couple of years, and our, our offense will be better. And we'll finally win fifty games. And 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 you know what? If the ball bounces our way, uh, we'll, we'll we'll make a deep run. And furthermore, we'll we'll we'll, we'll build a name for ourselves and our franchise in the NBA. And People realize we're just a piece, maybe two away, and it's you know Kevin Durant's not going to be able to not come here because it'll just be so obvious. And really, 
everything has 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 gone the exact opposite way of 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 what we could have hoped. Um, by the way, you, know, you just the by, by, the way, by, by the way, you just summarized uh, all my podcasts in September and October. So so keep, keep going. <laughs> all the yeah, positive, I mean, all the positivity, well, you know, right? It was all there. I don't think that was out of the the question. It wasn't we were hoping like this was based on actual things that you could point to, right? Well, but you use the word sense, and 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 I think that's really what it was. You know, you had had my buddy Kevin Broom on last week, and. And Kevin and I talk all the time. He's he's a he's a good friend, and um, I uh, I I rely on him for um, for sober um, analysis um, because I am a hopeless romantic. I am a fan, and 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 I do squint and say, "Wow, you know, if if things fall a certain way, um, uh, things are really going to be good." And he said, "Wow, you know, I'm." I'm, I'm, I'm looking at my projections, and by the way, you know, we can, we, we'll have a further discussion on analytics later, but Kevin does really good work, um, and, and he has a track record that he doesn't really talk about, but, um, w- when, when Kevin says, you know, when he said to me, you know, this looks like a 500 team to me, I said, man, I, I hope you're wrong, because, because that's not what I see, and, and, you know, there's, there's a lesson in that, which is, uh, which what you guys talked about on 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 your podcast is that our our eyes often lie to us and and they and they tell us very often what we want them to um and that is why you know data and analysis whatever you want to call it is so important and the truth of the matter is the truth about it as as you might say is that you know with with the benefit of some sober hindsight you see that you know the wizards were okay the last couple years they weren't very good they were okay and they really benefited from um playing in a historically bad conference and they got the matchups that they wanted and they needed in in the playoffs you know the toronto the uh previous you know previous to the playoffs last year toronto had absolutely owned the wizards but you know we happened to 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 face them when a they were going through some turmoil of their own and b Kyle Lowry was a shell of himself physically, um, and you know I think there was just it, it was a lot of of uh, you know fool's gold empty calories whatever you want to call it but you know the Wizards were never really that good and and that is the that is the sober truth about it and and. The um, the frustrating thing from a fan's perspective is you don't get the sense that there's any organizational recognition of what they really are um, and 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 what they really need and that's and that's tough. It, it, those are the circumstances under which it, it's tough to just to keep coming back. Yeah, no, no. I th- I think when I look back on the last three regular seasons now. Especially this one, we can officially say they've underachieved. And the, and the other two, you can make an injury argument. They played okay. I, wouldn't say, I couldn't say they overachieved, but they would fight with 500, right? They would get there. They played really well to begin the season last year, struggled down the stretch, but then they got it together and, and beat the Raptors team soundly, swept them, like you said, and were John Wall injury away from you know, having a chance against the Cavs. I mean, the way the Wizards played in that game one against Atlanta – I was like, holy smokes, John Wall was the, the best, arguably one of the best players in the playoffs. Bradley postseason Beal was alive, and you had all this hope and optimism. But, but my point is, is that you look back, and they didn't really, haven't really put this together. 
over the last three years, and it's not really working, right? And so the only thing we had to really go back on are these two postseasons, first-round victories, which in, Heinz, in, in the context of Wizards fandom, that's a big deal. But now where you want to go with this franchise, it seems stuck in a rut. Like, even if they make the playoffs now at, at the eight seed and, and lose to the Cavs, because missing the playoffs, I think, would be an epic disaster. Losing to the Cavs in the first round would still be a disappointment. So you're basically going from epic disaster to disappointment right now, right? Yeah. So, I mean, so, look, so, look. so, so both, both of those outcomes are just not ideal, essentially. I mean, narratives play such a role in this. But, but to me, if they were to go on some epic tear right now, which I do not expect them to, but if they were to go on some epic tear right now, uh, you know, I think they're going to – they they can only afford um, three pr- – probably three more losses. Um, and and so, you know, I, I, I would expect them I, – I, if I was a betting man, I, I would I would wager on them missing the playoffs pr- pretty significantly at this point. If if things were to go their way and, and, and they were to make it in and lose in the first round of the playoffs – it wouldn't change my. It really wouldn't change my view of them in terms of how good they are or they aren't. Now the the perception of them in league circles and in the media might change. You know there might be this narrative. Oh, they they finally you know got it together and they won. You know whatever it is, fourteen of seventeen or whatever the, the number shakes out to be. But you know we've got we've got large sample sizes on on this group and on these players, and um, this is an okay team. Um, and they've got, they have a lot of different ways in which they need to get better before you can even talk about them. Uh, I mean, you can't even use the word contender when you look at how good the best teams in the league are right now. The East is still the weaker conference and say, you know, to, to get up to, when you look at the way Boston and Toronto have destroyed them this year and, and look at the talent that's on the Cavs. They, they, they have, have miles to go to get there. Uh, because it's not just that their, their, uh, their frontline players aren't, aren't superstars. Um, and, and they're light on top end talent, but, but they have no depth. Um, and, and in today's NBA, you know, depth is hugely important. But, you know, people, when they fill out lineups, uh, and, and put imaginary trades together, they always put together five-man teams. And the truth of the matter is, the minutes in the middle of the second quarter when the benches are on the floor count just as much as the minutes um, at the end of the fourth. The points are worth the same amount. And, and the, the, you know, it, there's, it's no coincidence that the best teams in the league also happen to be really deep. Um, so, so you're saying that JJ Hickson and Marcus Thornton, uh, when they're playing big minutes in Utah and Denver, that that's not a recipe for success. <laughs> yeah, shockingly, shockingly, Adam, that is that is indeed what I am saying. Uh, th- this road trip broke me, and I don't know why it broke me. I was trying to have optimism. And continue to have optimism because, one, I want people to keep listening. And also for my own personal fan sanity, that there was – the schedule was going to get easier. There was going to be health. They did get Markeith Morris. Whether or not you like the trade or not, it doesn't matter. It's happened. And he is an upgrade in talent somewhat. So it felt like there was an opportunity for them to round it about. They won five in a row. They were finally 30-30. and 30. They get blown up by the Cavs. They blow a game to Indiana, which I th- end up – I believe will will be one of the most significant losses of the season, even though it shouldn't be. 
And then they go to Portland, a game they probably shouldn't have won, didn't play well enough, but scrapped back, had some chances at the end, coaching, decisions, a shot here and there, doesn't go their way. But now they go to Utah and Denver, and they had two days off, almost three days off, to play Utah, and they looked like they didn't even care in the third quarter. And, 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 and it just sucked the optimism. It finally, reality finally struck like this team doesn't want to make the playoffs. The players, I can sit here and bitch about pick and roll, coverages, rotations, here and there, but there just was no, there was no, there was no will. There was no energy in the sense that John Wall and John Wall called it a, a must win game, which I think was probably unfortunate on his part. But you have, and then to make matters worse, dude, you have Shelvin Mack going for career high against them, former Wizards draft pick. And then Trevor Booker, who they could have kept, is out there, and he has more energy on two plays than the Wizards showed the entire second half. And, and the, depressing com- the depression comes over me to be like, oh, my God, I need to face reality. Like, this team is not making the playoffs. There is structural things in place that are hard to mask anymore by built-in excuses like Bradley Beal's injuries or or – or whatever, a new, even a new coaching staff, I think, in a sense, even though I believe at this point a new voice is probably beneficial to this current crop of players. Now, then they go to Denver, and they're winning this Denver game, and like a sad sack soul, I go to a bar on U Street watching some ACC basketball games and made the bartender turn on the Wizards game, and I watched the fourth quarter by myself with no sound, and they outscored them 41 to 17. And DJ Augustine and uh, Darrell Arthur uh, and random ass dudes for Denver, not even the starters, their second group, just destroyed the Wizards. And they looked like they kind of quit. And it was just, yeah. oh my God, like, where, where is this team headed? I know Sean and Rashad wrote really good pieces on Truth About It, kind of touching about the game, but also going into some, some bigger structural things, like I mentioned. Just, was the road trip as horrific as you, or did you already expect the bad to happen? Yeah, I, so I first of all, I just love the mental image of you being in a bar on U Street <laughs> uh, by your, by yourself with the sound off, just, you know, your heart slowly breaking like that. You know, that's uh, surrounded by that, surrounded, that, with, surrounded by people not watching the look, game too, right? This is this is a hard team to be a fan of. The road trip didn't crush me because I had already, you know, fundamentally given up on. Um, on them uh, being anything this season other than what they are. And so I think that what what we saw, um, you know, with their effort in must-win games, you know, you just see a team that's not very together. You see a, uh, th- these guys are smart guys, okay? Uh, they know that, first of all, they know that Whitman in all likelihood is gone. Um, and so I, I think that that affects a, um, how a team approaches things. And I think when you've got whatever it is, nine or more guys on, you know, in the final year of their contract, um, and, and, and you know that the organization has basically gone into the season planning for the next year and, and someone else that they want, I, I do think that, again, these are human beings and that affect, affects how guys approach the game. And I think that was a huge miscalculation um, among many that uh, that the, the Ernie Grunfeld and, and 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 his group made going into the season was that they could just sort of telegraph to the world that um, that that they were going for Durant next summer 
And uh, because of that, um, they weren't going to, you know, I, I wrote about this on Bolts Forever, but, you know, that they weren't bringing anyone that had a dollar on their contract going into next year. And, um, and, and these guys are human. You know, Jared Dudley's a, a – he, he said it – he said it before he even joined the team in a podcast with Zach Lowe over the summer. He, he basically said that he knew that he was likely here for a year. Well, if you're Jared Dudley and, and, and uh, you had an injury that kept you from uh, getting a big contract last summer um, and frequencies looming, how are you going to you know, approach this team with, you know, with 20 games left or whatever it is? And, and, and add in guys like you know, Ramon Sessions, et cetera, et cetera, guys who are, um, uh, who, who are, who are playing for contracts. It's, uh, um, you know, they're, they were vulnerable to this kind of stuff where if things didn't go their way, they could go bad, and, and they have. Luckily, there hasn't been, you know, there haven't been real bad incidents, you know, that, that have come out or, uh, you know, fighting with the coach or the media or whatever it is, but... I can't imagine we're not there, obviously, but I can't imagine that um, uh, th- the investment level in the locker room with this group is is particularly high at this stage of the game. Yeah, I I happened to uh, be there at the Verizon Center last night for the game against Detroit. So yeah, the Wizards have lost five in a row. Detroit had won seven; they were seven and three in their last ten. Did, Wizards had just beat Detroit pretty handily last month, and this game was for the tiebreaker, essentially, for the, the, the season, if the Wizards would win. And the Wizards, of course, go out and play one of the better games they've played all year. They win by 43 points, the fourth most in franchise history, the most points they've scored all year, the least they've given up, the second unit, the starters, this game was over. Of course, I'm waiting for the collapse, like, like we have seen in many games this year of them collapsing and blowing a lead. It never happened. The game was over. It was, I was pretty much bored in the fourth quarter. I was just checking out, see what kind of random ass jerseys uh, were in the crowd. <laughs> and, and, and that, that was pretty much it. Now, now they play the bulls on Wednesday, but I feel they play the bulls on Wednesday and that one's for a tiebreaker as well. These are the both teams they're fighting for, for the eighth spot. But at this, what did you think of the Pistons win? Were you surprised like I was, even though I was there and I still was surprised? I mean, I, I was a little bit surprised, but I also just sort of chuckled to myself. Like, of course they, you know, of course they lose five straight and then come out and blow the doors off. Um, you know, when when a 10-point win would have been just fine and we could have used some of those, uh, so, some of those other points um, on the road trip, they, they go and... and and completely blow them out. You know, I don't want to sound like a total, uh, I, I promise you I'm a positive person. And if I really felt, um, positive about the team, I would be screaming it from the rooftops, but just, you know, you, you look at the game, D- Detroit, you know, our wizards play good defense, but Detroit shot absolutely terribly. They shot 40% over the overall, you know, they shot 13% from three and, and the wizards, you know, their starters played okay, but none of them shot particularly well. You know, uh, Nene and Sessions being, you know, 13 of, of 18 for 34 points, you know, that, th- those were their most efficient high volume guys by, by far. Um, and, you know, Nene did it in, in 15 minutes. But, you know, I 
I think it's one of those things where it's like, wow, Detroit, in this case, Detroit really laid an egg. And, um, and, and things just sort of got going downhill. But it, I, I don't, I don't actually think the Wizards played a fabulous game. Um, and, uh, and, and, and even if they did, you know, even if I'm wrong, even if I'm looking at this all wrong and, and the Wizards just played a, a, you know, as good a game of basketball as they're capable of playing, um, I, I don't think that that fundamentally changes who they are. Um, and I don't think it changes their, um, their, their issues. Um, and, and, and it's a reason why I think they are, you know, the, the playoff projections that have them, you know, single digit probability to make it at this point, um, uh, are, are what they are. Yes. So I'm glad you referenced those numbers. The Wizards now are up to 6.3% when basketball reference to, to make the playoffs. The Bulls are at 42 and the Pacers are at 59. Uh, what chance do you see them against this Bulls game on Wednesday? Because aside from the Bulls game on Wednesday, they played the Sixers on Thursday and the Knicks on Saturday at home. They go at Philly on Thursday, two winnable games. So if they can get this Bulls game, break the tie, have the tiebreaker over them, and then have two winnable games, they they are headed out west uh, after after that. I mean, I'm sorry, they they play a back uh, back to back Atlanta home and away with Atlanta. So you figure maybe they win one, lose one, but then they play the Timberwolves at home, at the Lakers, at the Warriors, at the Kings, at the Suns, and at the Clippers. But then play the Nets after that. So aside from maybe the Warriors and the Clippers, all of those seem winnable. Maybe not Atlanta, but where do you see? Let's just start with Chicago. <laughs> I, I know I'm just being way too positive. But I know. But, I mean, I I want to give you a hug, man. I want to give you a hug. You're 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 talking yourself into this. And look, this is what the first of all, it's like they're they're four hundred five hundred right right now. Wouldn't surprise me if you know. Because of the schedule, like you say, if they go ahead and, and they end up with, with 41, 42 wins and, and then there's a narrative saying, you know, that, you know, They're they won They're back, baby. X of their last <laughs> Y games and all oh, that, you know, they finally got it together. And, 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 and that's unfortunate. But, you, you know, the, you, whenever you look at the schedule, they're going to lose, especially with, with a team as, as marginally talented as the Wizards. They're going to win some games that you don't expect them to. They're going to lose some games that you don't expect them to. Um, you know, who knows? Maybe when they play Golden State, you know, Kerr starts resting guys, and um, and 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 uh, you know, they, they pick up a, a, a cheap win there. Um, you know, probably not, given the fact that those guys are, Girl you know, they're, the record, they're going right? for a win record themselves. <laughs> but um, you, you know, the Bulls are shorthanded; they're banged up. Um, it's a. It is certainly a winnable game. Um, I, I I would say that. I mean, it's an absolutely must-win game at this point. If if you um, if they lose, you know, it's they are they're basically done. But to be honest, you know, six percent, man. I mean, they're basically <laughs> done now. Um, and and again, it would not shock me if you know those guys look up and say. Uh, the reality is, is we're not getting in the playoffs, and if we do, we're going to get embarrassed in the first round by LeBron and company. And 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 who wants that? And I, I just I wouldn't be surprised if if they didn't bring it. Um and uh and Chicago uh play, you know undermanned or not um plays uh uh b- 
plays a better game against, uh, you know, a seemingly more talented team like they did against Toronto the other night. You know, that was a game that, that uh, I think Wizards fans looked at the, the Bulls injury situation and they looked at the strength of Toronto and they said, okay, okay you know, the Raptors are going to help us out, but it didn't happen that way. And, um, you know, I, I would expect a... Um, I would expect a relatively close game, and and wouldn't shock me if the if the Wizards, you know, didn't bring a particularly strong effort. Yeah, currently the Wizards are two and a half games behind Detroit and Chicago, uh, and the, they are four games behind the Pacers. But the the Pacers, like I referenced earlier, have the tiebreaker, so essentially they're five games behind them. All right, so my question to you: Where do you stand with the whole notion of? Should they go for the playoffs here? Should they lose every game and try to keep the, the high pick? Does it really matter either way? I mean, I mean, you know, it's you couldn't have written it any for them in the standpoint of they have they have probably as as low a statistical likelihood they are of of, of being bad enough to keep their top nine protected draft pick as they do in the playoffs. So they're just kind of stuck in no man's land, you know. I don't believe in, I don't believe in trying to lose from the standpoint of, uh, you know. I I think we, it, it doesn't, it doesn't happen that way, you know. Um, where teams actively try to not win games, um, if they get eliminated or effectively eliminated from the playoff race, then you know, we'll all start getting some rest, and and you know, Nene will. Uh, Nene will be finally done and put out the pasture and um, come down with but, body body soreness. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, but but where they are right now, I mean, they'd have to pretty much lose the rest of their games, save maybe one or two wins, which um, in order to be in position for that ninth pick. And so um, that's not going to happen. That, not, not with the Nets. The that's Nets not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, that's not going to happen with, with with this schedule. Um, and and look, they're they're not that bad. They're 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 mediocre. So so they'll win some games, and uh, you know they'll they'll go into the lottery and um, and uh, get lucky and jump up to the top three, and everyone will talk about what a great uh, general manager Ernie Grunfeld is, right? <laughs> well, what a good segue because. The other day, me and Kyle had a podcast, which uh, I, in so Wizards fashion, was was I think potentially lost due to technical difficulties, where I almost cried and and couldn't sleep all night because this software program uh, hated me. But one of the one of the big thing, <laughs> one of the things that we really discussed for almost an hour, aside from going over in detail the disastrous road trip, was I dude, like we had some beers at my living room. It was like, all right, let's let's assign blame. Who's a bl- who's who's to blame for this mess? Because we can sit here and talk about we as we just did, right? Like they're not as good, or you you break out numbers of Kevin's numbers, or I I talk about they kind of haven't been that good in the reg- in the regular season, and how this has been a disappointing campaign. But we 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 are we are saying you know what what is we're we're analyzing the outputs, right? Well, now we got to figure out like who's responsible, right? Like like who is the one. And so you have four people respond. I mean, four pe- four parties that you can hold responsible, and it's the players, the front office, the coaching, and the ownership group. So to me, 
obviously they all share blame in this. It's, no one's not blameless, especially an entity like a professional basketball team. But where do you lie on that? Uh, for when you look at all, when you when you when you feel, when you viscerally feel, or you observe, of being a fan, being a season ticket holder, and being a lifelong fan at this current monstrosity of underachievement of mediocrity basketball, who should be held accountable the most from your from your standpoint? Well, look, I, I mean, from a sheer hierarchy standpoint, you can obviously make the argument that buck stops with the ownership. Um, and therefore, um, you know, they're at fault, whatever that means. Um, uh, but you use the term held accountable. You, you know, you, you can't, you can't hold, and fan, you can't hold owners accountable. And by the way, um, that's going to get worse, and I'll tell you why in a minute. But, um, but, you know, by far, the, uh, the, the answer is the basketball operations people. Um, and, Look, I, I don't. I I I know. Uh, I have friends who are friends with multiple Grunfelds. Okay, I, I don't. Um, I don't take any any joy in uh, publicly saying that um, that Ernie Grunfeld has not been a good general manager for, for the Wizards. As a fan, what, what I would love to be able to say is is we've got uh, you know that we've got the best leadership possible. Um, you know, I, I think there's a subset of fans in, in any sport who, you know, they want their team to lose so that this coach gets fired or this executive gets fired and, and somehow they feel vindicated. Like, I, I don't, I, I don't feel that way. Um, I would much rather, uh, Ernie make good decisions and have good processes and, 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 and be here forever. But we've got a really big, uh, sample size to judge him on now. Uh, and his fundamental job, Adam, is to evaluate and acquire talent. And you can look at the draft, and you can look at trades, and you can look at free agency, but it is clear, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that whatever Ernie Grunfeld thinks uh, are the factors that go into winning basketball games are not the right things, okay? The Boston Celtics are third in the East, and they don't have a high lottery pick in their rotation. I think their highest, uh, I think Marcus Smart maybe fifth or sixth on the team in minutes, and, uh, and, and I think he was the sixth or seventh pick in the draft. Um, you know, they've got a guy, Jay Crowder, who years ago, Kevin was screaming for the Wizards to pick in the, in the second round. Kevin wasn't the only one. You know, Dallas said themselves when they picked it that, that some of their models had him, um, you know, had him as a lottery pick. And, you know, not to say that that he would have been worth a lottery pick, but, you know, the, the Wizards passed on him multiple times. And, um, you know, they could have had a guy like Isaiah Thomas, you know, given what Boston gave up for, him, for, for them. You know, you know, you mentioned before, you mentioned – Shelvin Mack. I mean, he's a guy that the Wizards cut twice, and was the and was the best uh, the best of the three players they drafted in that draft. With, with I think he was draft with Besley and Singleton. Trevor Booker's a decent player. They let him walk in favor of Kevin Sarah, who's a bad player. You know, Sean Livingston is another guy that the Wizards couldn't figure out and cut him twice, and now he 
the key component of the best team in the world, or, you know, the best team in, in a generation. And, you know, Eric Maynard, you know, Vesely, Singleton, etc. You, you just, you look at this and you realize that whatever these guys are using to evaluate players, okay, uh, it, it's, it, it's fundamentally wrong. When, when you know, pre-Leonsis, when Grunfeld traded the, the number five pick, which became Rubio, and, you know, parenthetically could have been Steph Curry, he traded that pick for, for Mike Miller and Randy Boyd for a year of each of them, by the way. It's not like they were either, uh, either of them were, were under contract long-term. But it wasn't so much that he traded that pick because, you know, they felt like they were some limitation up away from being a good team. Um, but it's that he felt that that Mike Miller and Randy Foy were like were the missing gonna, pieces. Were uh, the missing pieces? The were, the, they were the missing pieces, right? Exactly. <laughs> and I totally, that, I, exactly I totally, right. I totally agree. And there, and then their seasons in Minnesota, they were decent, okay, but there was nothing to say, especially with Gilbert's knee injury history. It wasn't like those two were lockdown defenders, which they, they sorely needed at the time. That was one of their bugaboos. Haywood was pretty much the only one playing defense on that team, and, and Deshaun, right? And so why do you think Randy Foy and Mike Miller were the missing pieces? Because if you go back and they traded, he had made good trades and when he got Antoine and got rid of Kwame and turned it into Crom Butler, not resigning Larry Hughes. So there are moves that you could, you could point to where Grunfeld had did a good job, but it seemed like from then on, it was him just cleaning up his own mess here and there. And then what I always go to, and you mentioned all the draft picks, and, and since uh, I, I said this the other day, and here's a preview for the people listening, since there isn't a draft pick this year, uh, I might just go back through all the drafts for some podcasts before, you know, instead of us t- me talking about the college players we should draft, I'll just go back through the years and just list all the disastrous picks and who they should have picked before. And, and like you said, dude, who I wanted to pick at the time. I was with Kevin saying, pick Dry Crater, Dry Crowder, or Draymond Green. Pick them. Yep. They, pick, they, pick, they pick Jan's buddy, Thomas Sadoransky, who just re-upped with Barcelona, which now we're not going to have for another five years. And what always gets struck me is not only did maybe did they miss, miss guys, right, where you work out Clay Thompson and Kawhi and you take Jan Vesely instead, when you, when you work out Rubio and Curry and you trade the pick instead. Those are the things that, like, it wasn't like you can go back and say, like, Oh, this guy went thirtieth, and now he's the sixth pick. You're like, no, no, no. You you chose this pool that you wanted with your pick, right? And you can even go back to is where he took Bradley Beal over Harrison Barnes. I mean, they looked at Harrison Barnes as well, so they didn't miss per se, even though Bradley's injury history uh, is is been has been troublesome. But you couldn't say he totally missed on that. But thank you, Michael Jordan, for taking Michael Kidd Gilchrist. By the way, at number two, there I, I want to mention. But even even Noel, I still would take. I thought they should have took a Noel over uh, over Otto. And, and it's it goes back to the point that you're yeah, make, I, and making I, about I the drafts. That, making about the drafts is like how much is on player development too, right? Because even Shelvin Mack when he was here and they cut him twice, like you like you said, he wasn't a, he was a tweener. He went to a summer league and was terrible at point guard. And and and, and when they cut him or gave rid of him. I, I kind of saw it because he wasn't a useful player, but he goes to Atlanta, learns to play the point guard position, was, didn't have a very, he had a okay to subpar last year for Atlanta. They goes to Utah, and now he's averaging like 25 a game the last week for Utah. But he learned to play point yeah. guard in Atlanta, not, not in Washington DC, right? 
And so how yeah, much, how, much mean, is, how much is I, it I, where where's the player development at this now, you know? Yeah, I, listen, listen. There no general manager is going to get it right all the time. And I, um and uh w- things that everyone thinks are going to go right invariably are going to sometimes go wrong. We, you know, Ernie is uh incredible has an incredibly long tenure for his lack of success. Uh, you know, I I I wrote I wrote a piece on Bullets Forever about that earlier this year, which uh, which Jake Whitaker told me after the fact was their most shared piece um, in over a year, um, and and it it very in a non emotional um, sort of very sober way laid out the fact that you know Ernie the longest tenured execs in the league are Pat Riley, R.C. Buford, and Danny Age and Ernie Grunfeld. Age and Grunfeld basically came on at the same time. And you look at the the relative success. And they all have champi- they all have championships, right? <laughs> they, they, all, they all have championships, and and it's not just like it's not just oh you know the Wizards didn't get their championship over the course of that time they're one of like the five or six worst teams in the league. He consistently makes bad bets, and he consistently demonstrates that whatever if there's a methodology there in terms of evaluating talent. And evaluating assets, and I know people hate talking about players that, that but you know, look at what look at what Boston has done, and look at how they've positioned themselves. But um, uh, and 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 what he does doesn't work. It hasn't worked. Um, you know, I'm I continue to be surprised that uh, when the Leonsis group came in. That they said, "Yep, this is our guy," and um, and that they've stuck with him this whole time. Uh, and and now, you know, I I want to think that um, you know they went out and traded for Markeith Morris. That was going to be the move that you know to quote unquote give them a jolt and get them to the playoffs. And instead, they're going to miss the playoffs and not have a first round draft pick. And you know, part of me, the Adam McGinnis part of me thinks, well. Um, you know, this is finally going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back, and uh, and and they're going to say, "All right, that you know, we're going in a different direction." But in all honesty, I I, I don't think that uh, ownership would empower Grunfeld to trade a first round pick if um if if he was if he was fighting for his job. I, I think that for whatever reason, and I really have no idea what the reason is, but I think that for whatever reason, they think that their problems are something other than the players they choose and the way that they choose them. Um, and and I think he's going to be back. And, and I think he's going to be allowed to fire another coach and to hire another one. And um, and and I think, and I'm, and I'm worried about... Um, how this summer is going to shake out. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, on the podcast on Sunday, that is erased to the ether. I went on a, about a 20 to 30 minute rant uh, against the ownership and I shared them a lot of blame. So let me just synopsis it for you real quick. It, it was essentially what you're just saying is that the stability argument of Ted, the here in year six of John Wall's plan, right? The, and, and he would make these, these overarching things. We want to get young. We want to get tough. We want homegrown players. We want to get cheap rookie contracts. And they have now traded out of the 2014 draft and the 2016 draft. They traded up in the 2015 draft and gave up an asset to pick a player 
who I think has some promise, Kelly Rubin has some promise, but wasn't going to help them win this year, which maybe Bobby Portis would have. Who knows in the future, that will be yet to be determined. So essentially, and then they don't play him. So in three drafts in a row, they have one player they don't play to show for. And, and for a team that can't win 50 games. And then, then what do I see? I see, uh, we got a new arena team coming in. We have a new app for fans. We, uh, we raise season ticket prices. Uh, and you constantly, and you constantly don't service the needs of a fan. I mean, I've had fans come, uh, you know, anecdotal evidence, but tweet at me. You know, hey, I don't know if I'm going to resign my my season tickets this year. They're going to bring out you know a lot of a lot of the angst, and most of it justified is towards Ernie Grunfeld still in charge. Randy Whitman still is the coach. You won't change the name back to the Bullets. And I, like, I, and I know some of that is fair or unfair, but at this point, you can look at the Caps and what he did with the Caps, and what are you not doing with the Wizards? And now it is almost to the point where when I read these press releases. And him writing these angry blogs, which he doesn't blog as much. Now he just takes selfies of everyone. Uh, 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 Ted Leonsitz is that it's more of just, it's becoming almost out of touch, uh, with what's going on with the current mood of the fan base. And I know that that can be particular at times because you don't want to go with emotional swings of the fan base, but at some point something has to give here. And, uh, and I don't feel, I don't feel like there is a structural leadership, especially at the, from the ownership level, especially going by his exact plan, and to make matters worse, the plan that he's kind of enacted, or not kind of, has enacted with the Cavs, right? I mean, the other sports team he, he has, he got rid of the GM that he had forever. He brought in a new guy. They, they made some good decisions. They, they built through the draft. They, they kept these players around, right? And who we yeah. have? We have John Wall, and that's it. Essentially, yep, and, uh, look, and I, and I and I wrote that right. I I, I wrote um, in my in my piece about how man, it's time to move on from Grunfeld. That you know, Leontes has to look at the Caps and see that you know after the fan base was begging them to move on from McPhee. I'm a pretty big Caps fan, by the way. Yeah, me, um, me as well. The knock on wood for the playoff success, yeah, but keep keep going. Yeah, um, uh, you know. They make a change, and you know, at first people are like, "Oh, they're hiring from within; it's going to be more of the same." Which I think is, you know, intellectually lazy. How many people, you know, have have worked for a boss and had their own ideas, and you know, once they're in a position of leadership, they're able to do their own thing. So lo and behold, you know, the Caps make a change, and um, you know, they make some big moves, and um, and 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 here they are having having a great season. Which, by the way, I agree with Dan Steinberg. You know. No matter what happens, this season to date has been incredibly enjoyable. Oh, so and, and by the way, and by the way, you know, I'm not a big football guy, but um, you, you know, the 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 uh, Reskis the GM look well too. The skin, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, you know, they 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 finally brought in uh, you know a respected executive, and and they had a, a better than expected year. And so you would think, right, that, that he would say, okay, you know, I've. Um, I pride myself on loyalty, and uh, and and I and I'm not a and I'm not an emotional guy, and I really want to empower my you know people that work for me. But you know, um, I, I I hope they they make a change. You know, since you were kind enough, Adam, to to invite me on, I will I will give you uh, an exclusive scoop, and that is um, that I have informed the Wizards that I am actually not renewing my season tickets. Yeah. And um and you know that's a big deal for me because I've been yeah I've how, been, how long how long you been a season ticket holder? Well, I, I've been I've been part of season ticket groups now for 
I want to say seven or eight years. Um, and, um, you know, a combination, it's a combination of a lot of things. Um, but, uh, the, the truth of the matter is if I want to go to, uh, games, um, they're so, the tickets are so available on the secondary market. And if something truly unforeseen happens this summer and, you know, and, and they, uh, they, they land a, a big fish. I can't even say the name. It sounds so preposterous. Yes, yes. Um, but, but, you know, something happens in free agency, then yeah, I, you know, I reserve the right to change my mind. But, um, you know, it's, it's just not a good value proposition at this point. And, um, here's why I'm, I'm legitimately scared as a Wizards fan. Um, and I alluded to this before is, uh, you know, you brought up arena football teams. You brought up the new app. You know, people think Ted Leonsis owns the Wizards, and in a manner of speaking, he does. But, the, you know, the Wizards are owned by Monumental Sports and Entertainment, Correct. you know, of which Ted Leonsis is the cha- chairman. And Monumental Sports and Entertainment is a company with shareholders, and their job is to, you know, uh, return value to shareholders. And they are – it's in their name. They are in the entertainment business. And um, – they are not owned by a crazy old man who is obsessed with winning um, and is going to do anything to make sure that 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 they win. OK, this is the you know, the days of Jack and Cook in this city are long gone. And everyone talks about the opportunities that this new TV deal and the resulting salary cap are, um, are, are going to give teams to get better. And what no one talks about is. You know, all of this new revenue um, is going to make all of these owners incredibly rich. And to the extent that the fans had any leverage by not buying tickets, that owners were going to feel that in their pocket and say, you know what, people aren't showing up. I need to make a change. That's going to go away. The, the, this TV deal is going to bring in so much money that the Wizards are going to be profitable whether, you know, 15,000 people show up or 12,000 people show up. And so the financial incentive for this team to take risks um, and make changes and get good sort of goes away. They can, on the balance sheet, they can perform without performing on the court. And, and that is a scary proposition because if they don't have to be a good team in order to, uh, in, in order to, to be a good investment, um, you know, I, I, I don't – based on their history, uh, I, I, I would be really surprised if they, if they became – and that's, uh, that's upsetting. Yeah, that, that is an under it's, – it's almost similar to like college football in a way with all the money now in, in major conferences of them owning their own channel. I'm a Big Ten guy. So they're getting so much more money now from, from, from the TV deal or owning their own network correct that 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 yeah they want to fill their stands and get all the fans but now that isn't as important because that that extra revenue is even more so being subsidized with by tv dollars and most fans are actually watching on tv too than than dealing with parking and 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 all that all that takes to actually attend a game especially basketball where now the big 10 has games at six o'clock. Well, people can't get off of work to, sometimes, or eight o'clock. They get home too late. You know, fans are bitching here and there, but there is a say. Well, 
if they don't go, it isn't doesn't hurt the bottom dollar as much as it did because of all this extra revenue. And even more so to the business part is that if I'm a fi- I own five or ten percent now, that five or ten percent is worth a shit ton more than it was before. Correct? Yeah, yeah, and and look, uh, you know, goodness gracious, I hope I'm wrong, and, and I hope that um, and and I don't mean to offend anyone, but. I, I hope that, that, that monumental people hear this and, and get offended at the notion that they don't care about winning. Um, and, um, but, but the, the financial incentives are what they are. And, um, you know, they own the arena, uh, which, you know, now they're going to add programming to. So it's sort of like that there's no marginal cost for them to, or, or there's a small marginal cost in terms of programming for arena football, but it's not like they, you know, have to pay more rent or anything like that. And, and, you know, they own the concessions and all that stuff. So, so what's a few thousand wizards, um, they own, uh, take, they own, take, they own take a master as well. Too, right. Especially <laughs> because, you know, now that they've raised, raised the prices, you know, these are smart guys and they sort of say, all right, well, what do we have to, you know, if we lose a thousand season tickets or 1500 season tickets, there's a certain subset of people, you know, in a town like DC who's going to go basically no matter what the price is. Um, and so, uh, you know, if we raise those by 7%, 9%, or whatever the number is, um, you know, our ticket dollars look fine. And, um, you know, we're getting all this new media money and, and, and everything's good. High five. Great job, everybody. And, um, well, I do hope, I do hope that there's someone on the board who is just fed up the way I am fed up and that the fans are fed up in the sense that be like, all right, we got to make a change here. And it, maybe it isn't. Just replacing Whitman. Maybe it is structurally. We gotta have a different voice or a different plan. Or what is your plan? Or what is your plan here, Mr. Leonsons, to get this team to be well, a perennial playoff winner instead of just hoping to land some big free agent and in, 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 in blessing your luck and thinking you're blessing the lucky star that John Wall is pretty phenomenal at the game of basketball. Well, and here's one of the hard parts about this for me. Um, I love Ted Leonsis, uh, and 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 that's why I feel sort of like, you know, I feel a little bit like the kid who who, who found out, um, you know, there's no such thing as Santa Claus. But um, I, I'm I'm a big fan of Ted as a person. I I I I, um, I know some people. I'm close with some people who have worked on some um, boards of directors with him, you know, where Ted came in and sort of like, all right, this is a public figure, this is a celebrity, you know, this guy's going to be all about himself. And the word basically got back to me that, you know, Ted's the real deal. And, and I do, you know, I, 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 maybe I'm a sucker, right? I'm, maybe there are some people listening to this to be like, you know, I, I can't believe people believe this stuff, but I, I, I do believe that he has a big heart and I think he cares and I do think he wants to do good for the city. I read his book. I don't think that, you know, I, I don't think that, that you write a book about um, about happiness without having some sort of underlying goodness in you. Um, and, and the fact that he's got all that, that I think he's fundamentally a good guy and that he's got, you know, such a, a background of technology and a stated respect for analytics makes the whole direction of the franchise just unbelievably mystifying. Um, you know, I was, I was lucky enough back in the day when Ted had his open email account. Um, he used to answer my emails pretty regularly. You know, I was, I was 
short and to the point, and I was respectful and stuff. But I think, you know, we met at a couple season ticket things, and I'm pretty sure he knew who I was based on the amount of interaction we had over email. And, um, you know, I, I fundamentally, uh, you know, based on that, and, and, you know, good marketing, good outreach on his part, all that stuff, you know, getting buy-in from, from your, um, y- you know, y- the, the people who are potentially going to proselytize about your brand – um, but but I, I I bought in and and so that's why the where they are in the fashion that they are is is that much more disappointing because there, there's no other way to say it than to feel like I, I really feel like he's he's let the the fan base down you know he he talked loudly and proudly about how a Poland told him that 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 sports franchises are a public trust. And I think that when you, you know, when you take the pulse of the, uh, of the people that really deeply care about, um, about the Wizards, um, there's, there's no, there's no way to get around the fact that, that, that trust has eroded significantly. And, um, and that's where we are. Uh, when, when they re-upped Ernie Grunfeld, actually in the middle of the night too, by the way, uh, I remember during a game and I tweeted something. Uh, it was kind of unfortunate. I, I shouldn't have tweeted. It was overly harsh. But after I emotionally recovered from all that, I just couldn't come to grips to why he re-signed him. And, and, it, and, I, and I thought about it and rethought about it. Me and Kyle probably had a million conversations. You know, it all came back to the whole stability argument. I actually asked Ernie Grunfeld in his press conference why did he think he deserved. I, I asked him straight up. I was like, do you think he deserved – another shot based on your prior work. And he goes, well, Ted thought, and that's all that matters. <laughs> and I, go, I was like, that's what Ernie Gomez said to me straight in a press conference. And now if I was a good, good blogger, I would uh, play that clip right now for you. And, and, and going back to the point you made about Ted is I do think he's a fan of the game. I actually think that he has more of a background in basketball than he does in hockey. And he does have, uh, is aware of the fans. I know he's read my stuff on Truth About It. I know he reads Bulls Forever. I know he's all, we always make jokes of what commenter he would be lurking. Or I, I always envision him having uh, some type of social media big screen in his in his office that just sees all our angry tweets all day on Wizards Twitter. Uh, you know, and I make jokes about it. But I think he's attuned to what the conversations are on on about this team, about both of his teams. And I do think there's a mutual respect for what we do, even though I, he sometimes obviously doesn't always agree with us because we're not privy to the internal workings. But this Grunfeld thing, I just could not get over. And then, you know, hey, you know, they got better. Then he started he started gloating a little bit too much because he was proved to be somewhat more correct than all of us. But then now he isn't, right? And and now where is this change or this fundamental Fundamental thing. I, th- I think he also also once emailed me to. Uh, it was something I wrote or made a video of something funny about Gilbert Arenas. And he actually personally emailed me. And it was pretty hilarious. I was like, "Wow, Ted the Otis, how did he find my email?" Yeah. <laughs> which, which, is, which is kind of funny. So so he is a fan, you know. So he isn't this evil person in the in the in the in a lair. But it's also not the opposite, where people say he's a showman in marketing and he you know does he hasn't done these fundamental things and. And, and I really do think that it is about changing the name. It is about getting a new coaching staff minimum. It is about getting new leadership. And it is about admitting that the franchise, if they do miss out on some marquee, marquee free agents, like where is this team heading, right? Like where is this franchise heading? I think that's what we're kind of dancing around here. 
But but to me, if you go back to the original question about who shares responsibility, before we move on, uh, I don't want to take too much of your time, but I have one more one more big post, which I wanted to lead with, but we're going to end with, uh, but what you wrote about Maya, which I really thought was awesome. But I don't want to give the players and the coaches off the hook because, you know, what I saw in Utah, what I talked about earlier, you know, it's game 65. And the main na- media narrative right now is the team going over pick and roll coverage. You know, the team that was the top five defensive team the last two years, who pretty much had the, the, you know, aside from a player here and there, the main core is still in place, right? Temple and Wall and Gortat, Beal, you know, Otto's been here now, Nene has been here. And they're talking about pick and roll coverage between the bigs and the guards. That they're talking about effort over and over. It's so to me, it's the players and the coaches. What is happening is not working. That this is the type of stuff that you're talking about, and a new voice definitely has to has to be made. And it's quite apparent. I'm not saying the players have quit. It's quite apparent that their effort is not ideal. So that is on them, and it is also quite, uh, you know, illuminating that this this group of players has t- tuned out this coaching staff, which, and Brian Windhorst had mentioned that people around the league think is one of the weakest in the NBA. Yeah, yeah, and that, that, that you know, I think perception, perceptions of matters in, in the world of the NBA. It's sort of like, you know, I remember, you know, and having conversations about when Kevin Durant come here, and it's like, well, it doesn't matter if the Wizards are actually good enough. Um, it matters if... If there's the perception that they're good enough, and and that this is the and, hot and, place to play, right? Like, right, right, right. Whether, whether and, or not that's and, true. And or not. look, I, 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 um, you know, the the I wrote a piece last year uh, on Billets Forever that you know was the piece that got me to to come out of you know from under the 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 cloak of message board anonymity, <laughs> and, and um, but I, I wrote a piece basically comparing Randy Whitman um, to Mark Jackson. Uh, and saying that you, you know that he had done, uh, he had allowed the organization to take some steps. You know, he he made uh, he, he he changed the culture to where guys tried hard and they played defense and all that stuff. But he's fundamentally a limited coach, and 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 is a little bit of a world is flat guy in uh, you know in a very changing NBA. And and uh, you, you know the Wizards w- had really gone as far as they were going to with him and. Um, and they needed to make a change. And, um, you know, I, 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 I still basically think that. I don't think Randy Whitman is, is a terrible coach. I think he, to um, uh, there's plenty he does that I disagree with. But to, uh, you know, to mirror the team, I think he's, he's mediocre. You know, I think, you know, maybe he's the 20th best coach in the league if, you know, if you could quantify something like that. And, um, uh, you know, uh, the, you know, the ghost of Red Auerbach isn't making this team into a into a fifty win team. Ultimately, you know, talent is is the most important thing. And so, yeah, you know, I, I never thought that. I mean, I mean, the fact that Grun again, it comes back to Grunfeld's decision making process. But the fact that he made in, uh, Whitman a full time head coach uh, from interim without interviewing anyone else. Um, uh, you know, never made sense to me, and um, you know, I, I would be very surprised if uh, if they didn't make a change this summer. And you know, they're going to make a change, but but as long as um, as long as as Grunfeld's calling the shots, I, I, I can't imagine that um, 
that they're going to be a markedly uh, better team next year, you know, barring something really, really high impact and unforeseen. My, my main observation is that Bradley Beal, with his non-answer answers, when he t- anytime it's brought up to him about what Whitman has said, going back to all the way to the beginning of the season and just p- kind of parsing his quotes, his non-quotes about it, is that he's done with him. And the way March Gartat had to sit in those fourth quarters last season, even even this year, you know, he's been in, he's plagued by foul trouble, and he's ha- he's he's had actually a pretty good second half of the season. The last few weeks haven't been as well, but there is you know there's some rumblings internally. I heard from some people that you know him and women aren't on the same page anymore. And so when you have the two main dudes who pretty much are, I'm not gonna say tuned the coach out, but just are not, they're not in step with the, the, the leader anymore. That is just screaming for a change. Yeah. Right? I mean, look, it's one thing, it's one thing when you're, uh, when you're Cleveland and you're leading the Eastern Conference and you're not on the same page, um, with your coach. And so you make a change mid season. You know, I, I think a lot of people, whether that, that's the right move, you know, I think everyone who's reported on that has said, yes, there was a disconnect and they weren't on the same page, but, you know, the results spoke for themselves. They were, you know, the best team in the conference. And to date, it's not like... And we're two, um, two wins away from the title, by the way, the year yeah, before. <laughs> yeah, two wins from the title, you know, with, uh, you know, with a ridiculously crippled roster around LeBron. But, but uh, you know, I think whenever you have... Um, uh, when you have a team that is underperforming, um, and uh, when you have any organization that's underperforming, whether it's in sports or business or, you know, academics or law or whatever it is, when you have an organization that's underperforming and um, it's it's gotten old a little bit, you know, the personalities are, are going to get sick of each other. And and um, at some point you're going to reach a point where where you can't repair that anymore. And especially, uh, a, especially such a public one. Right, like yeah, people, and yeah. one that can be judged on wins and losses, so much more than any other type of entity, you know, like a corporation. Sometimes, aside from maybe sales or stock price, but you don't know what's going on internally. You can't really measure it. But here, you can straight up be wins and losses. <laughs> you know, yep. <laughs> uh, you know, so so then uh, I want to finish on a sad but an awesome note. I, I would say this is an emotional one. Let's get serious here on the Pixel Roll Show. But uh, and, and all kidding aside. I read this post that you wrote uh, about, for those that don't know, which I'm sure if you've listened this far into a Wizards podcast, you're well aware of John Wall's story uh, last year with uh, his little buddy Maya that he became friends with and became friends with her family. She died. Uh, he got emotionally choked up during a game. Uh, after the Celtics game that they came back and won, it was, I mean, I got emotional. I remember I vined it. I vined one of him and Chris Miller. It's one of the most vines of mine that's ever been shared. It ended up all over Facebook. I had people on Facebook, on social media, you know, some girlfriends of mine, some guys that don't care about sports, and, you know, DC people, and they're like, I love John Wall. Like, they watched that video. There was It was all over Gawker, Deadspin, Huffington Post, you know, all the media outlets, and, and, and went to a general audience. I do believe that that helped John Wall, uh, helped his brand in the sense that it was – Something he did genuine, right? Yeah, it showed his humanity. He, oh, yeah. It showed yeah. his humanity. And that's what people were really attracted to because it wasn't forced. And then that, I, I, I do believe that helped him propel to be one of the leading uh, all-star vote-getters because it was about a, uh, a month or two before 
the, the final vote was tallied. Now, uh, she died tragically. Well, John's still involved with her family. There was a, I was going to go to this walk last fall. Uh, there was a light the night walk down, uh, down in downtown DC, uh, the Le- Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, John Wall is involved in. Uh, they did a really cool video. Uh, ESPN recently did a Sports Center feature on him involvement with her family and him. Very cool. If you haven't got a chance to check that out, Google. I, I thought about even maybe having the producer on the podcast and just kind of talk about that with her because I was really touched. It was about a 15 minute segment. Now, you wrote a piece about, about, about this and then you told your own personal story. So, I will just have you talk about uh, what you wrote, your experiences, your, it, it, starting from the John Wall, you know, where you were when you saw that and how you emotionally dealt with all that and then just kind of touch on uh, how this is, how this is kind of catapult to your own personal life. Yeah. Well, so I, I, I actually, I absolutely remember where, uh, I was, I was, um, I was visiting my dad who lives in New York right now. Um, and, uh, we were watching, we were watching the Wizards game together, and I remember, uh, you know, I wasn't in the best mood, and uh, the Wizards, it, it looked like they were going to lose the Celtics, and I think my dad sort of got annoyed with my being annoyed, and he's like, you know, he told me he was going to bed, I, I remember that, and then, you know, there, there were there were heroics, and I think it either went to overtime or double overtime, and you know, then, you know, you see that you, what, what, you, what you describe, you know, the moment with Chris Miller when John you know, uh, basically collapsed after the game. And, um, by the way, interrupt. Uh, I thought Chris, know, by the interrupt, I thought Chris Miller did a really good job of just allowing him to talk too. instead of sometimes other people would try to interrupt him and he just allowed his emotion to come out. I thought that was yeah, an awesome, yeah. awesome job by him, but keep going. Yeah, it was great. And, and, um, I have two young kids. I have, uh, I have an eight year old and an almost five year old. And so, you know, you, you know, um, at the time, you know, a, a year, plus ago, um, you know, I was, was very much in, in, in the range of my kid's age. And, um, y- you know, it's one of those moments when, uh, w- when everything stops and you just become a human being and, um, it, it, it really hit me and I, and, you know, watching, watching this professional athlete who, you know, who has a, uh, who makes millions of dollars and who's young and has an exciting life and, brand and seemingly the world at his feet and watching him him be you know truly wounded um at the loss of his young friend it, it was very poignant and it really struck me and you know it did make me pr- you know as you said made me proud that, that that john was a wizard and that he was our guy um and 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 it always you know it always stuck with me i think you know i i think that that moment had made a lot of wizards fans feel good about um uh, about about John about rooting for him, um, so you know as that relates to what's going on in my life is um, thankfully uh, you know everyone in my family is is, is healthy. Um, I uh, four years ago I signed up for a um, a, a registry um, from an organization called Delete Blood Cancer, which is basically a, a, a registry. Um, to match people with people who need um, who need transplants of some sort, who are fighting um, blood cancers like leukemia, um, and uh, and and to, to potentially give them you know life saving transplants. 
And the reason I signed up was because I, a friend of mine actually ended up being a stem cell donor. Um, and his name is Joe Robinson. If you Google, you know, uh, Joe Robinson, blood cancer or something like that, you'll find the story from local news that talks about the, um, Joe and he ended up meeting the, the woman who he donated to and they have, you know, become very close since and it was very poignant and I just was like, uh, you know, look, uh, I'll, I'll register for this. It's, um, it was totally painless. They sent me a kit in the mail. I swabbed my cheek. I sent it back and totally forgot about it. And then a couple months ago, I got a call saying that I was a match to someone, um, with leukemia and would I, would I, uh, potentially, um, you know, be interested in being a donor. And, um, you know, I thought about it for half a second and I basically said, said yes. Um, it, it was, you know, one of those moments where I feel like life kind of taps you on the shoulder and gives you the opportunity to do the right thing. And, 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 um, you know, since then I've basically gone through the process of preparing to do this. Um, the well, procedure so, so, be, so, so, so let me go real quick. What was, it, what, yeah, was yeah. what was it like? Because you know, you we signed up to be organ donors. We signed up to be these donors. But what was the feelings like when you actually got the call to be? You know, what were you going through? The emotional struggle of oh hey oh shit oh man whoa you know like, is, it feels feels like a whirlwind, a, whirlwind of that's emotions a great that you, question that you that's would a great have question. like when you were like you know because it's one thing to say like hey I'll do this you know and then now it's like yo man now it's time to do what you say you're gonna do. Because I, I, I believe also you don't actually you're not required to do this, right? This is still optional, no. correct? No, no, no. At every step of the way, they ask you, you know, are are, are you still comfortable going through this? But to answer your question, you know, because it's one every... thing. To, it's one thing to say like you're going to do this generally, but now it's like another person needs it, right? Like there's a, there's a face, there's a human, there's another entity that you can personally uh, help reach out and help, but also like. What are the emotional struggles that you went through when this news came to you? Shit got real, as they say. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I was um, I was excited. Y you know, uh, I don't. You know, people, there are people out there who live lives of service. They're cops. They're firefighters. They're they're teachers. You know, uh, they're all that stuff. And you know, professionally, I don't I, I don't do that. And and you know, I, I try to do what I can, but. Um, I, I, I thought, wow, you know, this is an opportunity to, to, you know, this is an opportunity to reboot someone's life. And I was very excited at that. And I was scared shitless because what if I, you know, this is, there is some unpleasantness to this. And, um, you know, what if, what if I, if I can't make myself go through with this and what I have to, what if I have to. You know, and I'll, by the way, all these thoughts are within a span of like half a second, right? Yeah, um, yeah. But, but you know, all, what, what like, if I like all, have, all ten of them happen in like five seconds, right? <laughs> exactly. What if I don't have the cur? You know, what don't I have the courage to step up for this for for someone out there who who needs me, whose whose family needs me, and you know, fear and uncertainty, and what does this involve, and you know, uh, you know, what are the risks to me, and um, uh, you know, just. A, a, a whole host of feelings, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, as, as I, uh, so in that moment, I was, I was very excited, but I was, but I was very nervous. And, um, uh, I have, so, so since that time, I, you know, I've 
gone through, you know, I've gone through multiple blood screenings. I got a full physical workup to make sure, you know, first I had to confirm that I was indeed a match for this person. Then I had to confirm that I was in good enough health to donate, which, you know, thankfully I am. And, um, then the, the, the reason, you know, as I learned more about the procedure, which I'll tell you about, you know, the reason that there's some trepidation is because there is some unpleasantness to it. Um, basically they give me, they're going to give me a series of shots that is going to make, um, stem cells grow at a faster rate in my bone marrow. And so that's going to feel like, you know, my bones are expanding from the inside. It, it feels like you have the, I'm told it feels like you have the flu except for, you know, the, the fever and the respiratory stuff, but, you know, you get fatigued and really, really achy, your muscles and your bones ache. And, um, you know, that, that they do that for, for several days, and then they hook you up to a couple needles, big ones, and they take your blood out of one arm, and they strain it, and, and you know, you know strain's not the right word, but they, you know, they, they harvest your stem cells, and then the blood goes back in your arm, um, uh, in the other arm through another needle and, um, you know, there's some trepidation with that. That, that's, that's not a pleasant experience, you know, and, and they say that that they're, you know, they tell me it's going to take several hours and to be prepared for that. And, and, and a, a, a lot of people, you know, that, that there's some anxiety potential in, te- in that. And, um, you, you know, it's, it's it, it's not something that in and of itself I'm looking forward to, but I, I think the obviously the opportunity to help someone and and the uh, and the you know I, I don't know if I believe in karma I don't know if I believe in but but you know I think everyone thinks that man if uh, if the situation was reversed and and someone you know and I or a loved one you know was in this situation. Now, I'd hope that someone would, would, would step up in the, on their behalf. And so, you know, I, I think that um, in that sense, it's a fairly easy choice. And the reason that I'm talking about it on a podcast, the reason that I blogged about it is because I felt like the opportunity to do r- real good, obviously there's opportunity to do good with this one person. And, and, and I don't, you know... For for confidentiality reasons, know very little about the person, um, and 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 who knows what, you know what's going to happen. Obviously, I hope everything turns out great and they live happily ever after. But you know they they might not make it to the procedure. The procedure might not might not work out for them. But but the opportunity to do real good is to spread the word that this is a thing that that people can do that they can sign up um, for these registries. That these um, that that donating while un, uh, somewhat unpleasant, um, and I'm happy to tell you more about it when it's done and, and give you and give you the honest truth about it. But you know, having talked to someone who's who's done it, you know, it's like being under the weather for for, for a week. But you know, it's uh, it's it, nothing compared to, go to what through the other, a small amount com- of unpleasantness. Yeah, nothing compared to what the other people are going through, right? Exactly to go around small uh, to go through a small amount of unpleasantness. To, to really, you know, to, to do a good thing and really save someone's life, um, you know, if we can get a bunch of people um, to go to, you know, deleteBloodCancer.org and to sign up for the registry and to use their networks to get people to do the same, 
um, then then there's an opportunity to make a real impact. And just to bring it back to John and Maya, you know, th- that that's why I thought about putting this on Bolts Forever, because when when John went public with his feelings and when he um, then, you know, publicly became a face of of this light the night walk, he was using his um, his platform to fundamentally do a good thing and to and to raise awareness and so, you know, that's uh, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to spread the word that there's an opportunity to go, to do some good here, and um, and uh, I hope that people um will, will sign up. What did you, did you talk to your friend Joe about this, and what did he have to say? Well, I've talked to Joe a lot. He's been awesome. And 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 by the way, like it's it's the process has been so much easier because I've got a buddy who's, who's gone through this and he's told me, and I think it's fundamentally easier for me than it was for him because he didn't have someone to, to tell him what to expect to, every to step on, of the way. To yeah. Someone else to lean on, right? Yeah, that's right. And so, you know, I, I think, um, you know, understanding that everyone's different and everyone reacts to things a different way that within a reasonable range, I, I know what to expect. Uh, um, I, I know when to expect to, to not feel good. Um, I know sort of what, what side effects might, might hop up. You know, he, he, he mentioned that, yeah, he went back to work a little too soon. He sort of tried to push it and, he, you know, sort of gave me some advice on that. I really, you know, take my time to, to just chill out and re- recover for, several days afterwards. It's, it's been very helpful and, and reassuring from that standpoint. But what he has told me is that it's the best thing that he's ever done. And that um, it's, it's the thing that he's done that he is most proud of in his life, that his relationship with this woman and her family is one of the most rewarding things that he has in his life. And, and that he's, he's so, he feels lucky to have been given the opportunity to do this. And, um, and, so, you know, that, that, that's very poignant for me. That's, it's not, oh man, sorry, you got, you know, they pulled your number and, and now, you know, you got to do this because it's the right thing to do and it sucks. It's like, he, he said, he really feels lucky and, and he really thinks I'm lucky to be able to do this. And like, you don't feel, um, you don't feel like you're guilted into it. You feel like you're proactively wanting to do this, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think, um, look, everyone's different, and and people have, uh, you know, p- people have different things that motivate them, and different things going on in their life. And um, I, I don't, I don't, th- it's a personal decision. It really is. And 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 um, there are different types of procedures, some of which are more invasive than others. Um, and, and as, as these procedures go, the one that I'm having, the, the, the stem cell transplant is pretty non-invasive. And so in that sense, it was, you know, it was a very easy decision for me. So I, you know, I get it. it it's a personal decision. And some people just say, you know what, this is not how I'm going to help the universe. There, you know, there are other ways and I can make a difference, but I just, you know, I don't see myself going through with something like this, but to the extent that, that there are people who, who see that, um, uh, that this an opportunity to make a big difference, and it's just something they didn't know about. Um, that 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 uh, they maybe take the opportunity to to go to deletebloodcancer.org and, and sign up for the registry. Yeah, I mean, I didn't I did not know about this. I mean, I knew about it in 
in general, but did not know about specifically in these particulars. And reading your story, uh, you know, hey, it, it oozed through the screen and it really got me. I read it all and I thought it was really awesome that you were able to share such a personal thing to, to raise awareness and also to, to tell the pros and cons and say, hey, you know, like you just said here, it is for some people. It isn't for some people. Just, you know, hey, if you want to do it, you can do it. If not, hey, it's not for you. But yet, if you want to do it, hey, this is what I'm going through. This is how it might play out. And, you know, and you'll, and once you go through, I think you said here next week, uh, is when you're going to go through the process and you can maybe come back and we'll have an update and review this. My question is about the actual individual. You talked, you talked about your friend having a personal relationship with someone. Is there that potential for you as well? Or how does that whole privacy and, and that work out? And what is the success rate? Because is it one of those things where, oh, do they, they kind of hold that back because maybe it doesn't work out and then you don't want those donors to go through that emotional stress as well, right? Well, it's funny. Uh, so you hit on a couple things in there. One is, you know, in the in the materials, and by the way, this organization, uh, Delete Blood Cancer, they've just been awesome to deal with throughout. Um, you know, answering questions, anticipating questions, understanding that this is a really big decision, a big process. So like in some of the materials that they provided me, you know, they talk about the, you know, the, uh, the emotional weight of this. That, you know, some people have, actually, when I went to, um, uh, to get my workup done at the hospital, there was another guy there who was, um, having the same workup. And he was telling me that, um, a friend of his, that the way he was a similar way, a friend of his had donated, a friend of his had donated to a young child who uh, within a year um, had passed away and how that was really, really hard on his friend. And they sort of, and they talk about that in these materials that like, um, you know, that, that there is an emotional weight with this um, and, 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 and that you, um, you know, you should prepare yourself accordingly. Um, uh, and, and, you know, that's something that, that, that I don't think about. It's just sort of like, Oh, this is, this is, or I initially didn't think about it. It's, it's more like, okay, this is going to be unpleasant, but I'll do it, and and then and then it'll work out. And and the truth of the matter is, is like everything in life, it's 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 more complicated. And um, you know, I, I think that um, what was your other question again? Uh, about the individual themselves. Oh, about the individual, yeah. right? So for confidentiality reasons, patient confidentiality reasons, they they tell you. Very general information. Um, I and and um, so I look. I, I know it's a woman, um, and I know her general age range, and I know she has leukemia. And based off of that, it, it's it's not really hard to build a picture in my head that you know this person is some combination of someone's mother, someone's daughter, someone's sister, someone's best friend, someone's confidant. And we all have those people in our lives um, who um, we can't imagine not being there. And, you know, like anyone who gets a serious illness, um, you know, she wasn't planning for this. You know, who, who knows what she was doing? But but I don't think anyone um, you know, thinks sits down and, and, and thinks, you know, within a couple of years, you know, there's a decent chance I'm, I'm going to get leukemia. You know, it, it doesn't work that way. And and so, you know, knowing what I what little I know about this person, I know enough to know that 
her life has been completely turned upside down. And, um, you know, you live long enough and, uh, to, to know people to whom stuff like that has happened. And, uh, and as a friend or a family member or a confidant or whatever it is, it hurts to not be able to help make it better. And, and again, here I am given this opportunity to actually help make it better. And, and it's why, you know, it's why I do feel lucky and, and why I am so hopeful for, for this woman that, that it works out. And, um, and why I'm so incredibly blown away by medical science and by doctors and by researchers who are, you know, the, the true heroes in this, you know, have, 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 have come up with ways to, to use crazy medical processes to save people's lives. And, um, you know, I'm excited. Um, and, uh, and, 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 uh, you know, just very, very hopeful. Yeah, this is a very somber topic to have on uh, Wizards podcast, but it also is beneficial, one, because of the awareness factor, but letting people know the pros and cons, because I think it's being real with people, which be like, oh yeah, just go do this, everything's going to be great, right? But then also knowing, hey, go do this if you want to, whatever, but then also knowing like, hey, you might be scared, you might be anxious, this might... It might not work out. It might work out. It'd be great. It, you know, like letting them know because I think it, it has a better investment and gives them a better picture of, of what this is about life and, and that, that this is a way to contribute. So, so as we sit here and bitched about, about this Wizards basketball team and then we end on a somber note, but then it also is the perspective of life, right? And sometimes I feel that the perspective becomes an overused term. To be like, oh, something awful happened. Now you have perspective. And I'm like, no, you should have perspective the whole time. But it just gives you a greater appreciation of things that are actually going okay in your lives. Uh, like your health, your loved ones, your family. And to see other people that don't have that, you want to help them. But also gives you a greater sense that, you know, things aren't that bad <laughs> for you, right? Yeah, I, I mean, we should all be so lucky that... Um... That, that the state of the wizards is, you know, is our worst problem. And, you know, look, it's a, it's a longer discussion, but it, it does get a little bit to why, um, I love basketball and I love sports and I, and I am such a passionate sports fan because it, it about, you know, connections between people and between communities who might not, you know, readily realize how much it is they have in common and how much it is they share. And that is one of the things I love about going to Wizards games when, you know, when, uh, when, when things are good. Um, and, and so, you know, there are things that, that bind all people as people and that connect us all to each other. And, um, you know, go Wizards and delete blood cancer. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, can you can you give that website uh, one more time? I'm gonna link in the show notes as well. But absolutely, it's deletebloodcancer.org, dot org, and um, uh, it's 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 very the website's very easy to navigate, and um, uh, you know you can sign up for uh, a free kit for the registry. They'll send it to you for free. It's super easy. You send it back. It's it, it, it it's totally painless. Spread the word. Um, and, uh, and you'll be doing a good thing. Ben, I am once again, I continually say the same things, but very awesome dude. And, uh, good luck. It sounds like you have a good head on your shoulders about this whole process. 
and and I think it will all work out, and you'll have to come back on and give me an update uh, this summer or when we talk about the playoffs and and uh, <laughs> and then the first round matchup against the Cavs. <laughs> Absolutely. Once the uh, once the Wizards win the lottery, um, I'll be I'll be sure to um, to come back on and talk to you about it and and how we can. Uh, Leverage that pick into assets to uh, to bring Kevin Durant to DC. I will not be having a lottery pick party. Just let everyone know I did have one of those. <laughs> I did have one of those one year, which was one of the saddest, coolest things I think I'd done because uh, we did get the auto pick at number three. But hey, dude, uh, what? Uh, any more game? Are you going to go to any games the rest of the year? Or is that yeah, to, is I'll, that I'll, I'll win a couple more. I'll, I'll probably it's to be determined, but I'll, I'll um, you know I'll I'll do a. Uh, uh, I'll do a you know an, an early April game just to just to say goodbye to the season. You know I do have that that uh, <laughs> that Wiznuts morbid sense of humor. Sometimes I I, I can't uh, I can't stay away. It's who we are as Wizards fans. So uh, I'll I'll make it out to, to to the phone booth at least one more time. Uh, awesome. We'll we'll have to uh, get a, get an overpriced beer or uh, some nachos or something and uh, commiserate again in real life. Executive nachos it is. Adam, thanks so much. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Ben. Uh, everyone, I I don't know. It's March Madness, so I don't know if I want to do any more Wizards podcasts between March Madness or not, or if you want to listen to them, but I probably will do another one this weekend to recap, to either bury this team or, or just scream more optimism. So thank you again for support. Go to the websites that you mentioned. I'll link in the show notes. Hopefully this was a different type of topic for y'all and we ranted about Grunfeld and ended on a great cause but I, I felt that everyone uh, needed needed to hear that and, and hear Ben's story so thank you everyone uh, once again for your support and continue listening to this podcast you I don't know the downloads keep going up so I must be doing something right or wrong because we know the team isn't doing that well so thanks and as always go is. Well, I'm caught one more time Up on Cypress Avenue I'm caught one more time Up on Cypress Avenue And I'm conquered in a car seat Nothing that I can do I may go crazy Before that mansion on the hill I may go crazy Before that mansion on the hill But my heart keeps beating faster Yeah, my feet can't keep still And had the little girl drop something one way.
tongue gets tight Every, every, every time I try to speak My tongue gets tight Every time I try to speak I'm inside Shakes that's like a leaf on a tree Wait a minute Fourteen 
ghetto Baby, 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 ba